powerful. So uh, what a difference we can we can make. And again, not boasting in ourselves, but boasting what God blessed us with and what He's called us to do. So uh, scripture this morning is from Hebrews chapter eleven, the faith chapter. Hebrews chapter eleven, and I'll be reading verses eight through twenty-seven. Follow along with me, please. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that had foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, and even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, were born descendants, as many as the stars of heaven, and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and have acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering of his only son, of whom it was said, Through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able to even raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of his sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his head. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's eating. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God that to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it that it touches us deep, that it shows us what faith is, that we are saved by grace through faith, Lord. And I, I pray that you lead Kenny this morning as he brings your word to us, that you fill him with your spirit, and that you lead and guide him. Lord, we, we're here to make much of you, Jesus, but also to, to recognize Kenny and his faithfulness to you as he goes out on mission to be pastor. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, John. John bet me 20 bucks I wouldn't be able to get through the sermon without getting all emotional. And I think Brad is in on it, too, because he was like showing me all these heartwarming videos about foster children and stuff this morning before service. So they're really setting me up to fail here. Now, uh, hey, real quick uh, at the beginning, let me thank you guys uh, so much for all of your uh, support and, and prayers and encouragement over the last few weeks. Uh, so many of you uh, came up to me and said, I'm just so happy. You don't know how long I've been praying for you. So leave. <laughs> I think it was Norman Way that was like a couple weeks ago. Was, Boy, that church better vote yes. <laughs> Thank you, brother. <laughs> no, so, uh, so earlier Brad had said, hey, you're going to preach your last Sunday. Uh, what do you want to preach on? And I was like, well, hey, how about since, you know, I don't really want it to all be spotlight on Kenny. Why don't I just take the next section of uh, Deuteronomy? And he said, absolutely not. And I was like, what? He's like, 
I've got Sunday planned from now until Thanksgiving. You're not going to mess that up for me. So. Okay. So that made me think, so what is the last thing that I want to, to have an opportunity to say to you? What do I want to leave you with? Um, and what I want to do this morning is leave you with a reminder for us to keep our eyes on the things that matter. That is, the things that are eternal. So Colossians chapter 3, Paul says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. So the call for the people of God is to be heavenly-minded. That is, we don't get lost on the things that are temporary, but rather we have our eyes set on the things that are eternal. And I think that's what we see in our Hebrews passage. That's what, when we're going to look at Moses and Abraham's faith, we see a people whose eyes are set on the things of eternal value. Now, the writer opens chapter 11 with this. He says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And then we see that there's this kind of connection drawn between faith and seeing. And as I said, we're going to see how Moses and Abraham particularly, their faith gave them sight into things that were eternal. And we're going to see how that serves us this morning. So you look at verse 10. We see Abraham was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. In verse 27, Moses left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. So our big idea this morning is that Abraham and Moses show us that as people of faith, we see beyond the temporary to the eternal. Specifically then, with eyes of faith, we see our true citizenship, we see our true family, and we see our true treasure. Those are three points this morning. This is what we're going to look at that we see Moses and Abraham highlight for us. So first, our true citizenship. Let me read again to you verses 8 through 16. And see what it is that Abraham saw. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. Jump down now further. He says, these all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had the opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. So we see that Abraham exemplifies for us our calling as sojourners and exiles, citizens of heaven. Now, this is really familiar language for us. We read about this every day in our call to worship, our identity as the people of God being sojourners and exiles. Abraham was called out of his homeland and into a foreign land that God promised to give his descendants, making them into a great nation. But Abraham lived his whole life as a sojourner and a pilgrim in that land. Uh, So this is the paradox uh, in the faith of Abraham. So he roamed this land in which he was a foreigner, trusting that God would give it to him and his descendants. And Al Mohler points out that he did so looking forward to a city, though he himself was living in tents. So there's a noted parallel between Abraham's sojourn and the Christians. The life of faith that Abraham lived is the same life that we are called to, living as hopeful exiles 
as we look to the full fulfillment of the promises of God. Living as exiles on the earth, but citizens of heaven. Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And since our citizenship is elsewhere, that makes us sojourners, aliens and pilgrims here and now. You guys know this. 1 Peter 2, Beloved, I urge you as to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. We live in this world knowing that we are citizens of another. We live in this fallen kingdom knowing that we are citizens of a greater eternal one. And as Abraham's gaze of faith looked toward the realities of God's promise, so we look to the final fulfillment of God's promise to us, that one day he'll bring us home. This is um, artistically put in a really good way, I think, by the punk band Thrice. (laughs) I don't know why you're laughing. In their song, In Exile, they say this, I am an exile, a sojourner, a citizen of some other place. All I've seen is just a glimmer in a shadowy mirror, but I know one day I'll see face to face. I am a nomad, a wanderer. I have nowhere to lay my head down. There's no point putting roots too deep when I'm moving on. I'm not settling for this unsettling town. I am a pilgrim, a voyager. I won't rest until my lips touch the shore of the land that I've been longing for as long as I've lived, where there'll be no pain or tears anymore. I had to have an opportunity to put the lyrics of a punk song into my last sermon. <laughs> but we're familiar with this language, right? We, we talk about this. We know that we are sojourners and exiles. We read about it every Sunday. We, we get that this is our identity. But what are the practical implications then of that? Because some may lay the charge on us that if you view yourself as citizens of another country that you won't pay any mind to, say, this one. It's that you've heard it. If you're so heavenly-minded, you're no earthly good. Anybody heard that phrase before? And yet we know, because we just read from Colossians, that Paul calls us to be heavenly-minded. So here's the thing. Understanding our identity as citizens of heaven and exiles on the earth doesn't lead to apathy and indifference in the here and now. Rather, it makes us better citizens and neighbors in this temporary world. What, what do we say? The rest of 1 Peter 2. As sojourners and exiles, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. So knowing that we're citizens of heaven makes us good and citizens of this temporary life. So this was the call even for the people of God in the Old Testament. So even as they were sent into exile in Babylon, this was the calling on their lives as sojourners and exiles in a foreign and often hostile land. Jeremiah 29, the prophet says this to them, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat their produce, take wives and have sons and daughters, take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters, multiply there, and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. Being citizens of heaven doesn't mean that we are indifferent to our neighbors. It makes us better neighbors. Martin Luther supposedly was quoted as saying, if I knew the world was ending tomorrow, I would plant an apple tree today. And Matthew Hosier says this, it is a future-oriented hope that enables the Christian to overcome existentialist, who writes like that, John? (laughs) Existentialist fear. It means we invest in life. We plant trees, have babies, and build houses as a statement of faith. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. It is future hope that provides us with the faith to invest in life now. So the charge for us as we are heavenly minded, as we remember that we are citizens of a coming eternal kingdom, 
that that spurs us to activity today. That spurs us to invest in gospel realities today. So secondly, then, with eyes of faith, looking to the eternal, we see our true family. We've seen our true citizenship in heaven, and now we see our true family. Verses 24 through 25 of Hebrews 11. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Moses knew that Egypt was not his true home, and he knew that the house of Pharaoh was not his true family. And therefore, you see, he does not identify with the luxuries of Egypt, but rather with the sufferings of his own people. So as the people of God, the citizens of heaven, our truest and deepest fellowship is with our fellow sojourners. Because we are not only fellow citizens, but we're brothers and sisters in the family of God, each fully adopted into the household of God himself. This means that when we look around the room, we don't just see fellow church members, we see brothers and sisters in Christ. And the beauty of in faith seeing our true family means that we identify at this deepest level with each other despite all of our differences. Despite the fact that there's diversity and differences within the church, it is the people of God whom we identify with the most. And there's some diversity here. Some of you are Dallas Cowboys fans. <laughs> this is a church where Virginia Tech fans and UVA fans love each other. That's the people of God. That's the true family of God. That is recognizing that those whom are our closest brothers and sisters are those who are of the household of faith. Because the eyes of faith help us see our true family. The practical implications then of this is that knowing who our true family is means that we then can partner with and share the burdens with other believers. 1 Corinthians 12, Paul expounds on the church as one body with many members. He says this, But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers... All suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. As seeing the church as our true family, we are able to suffer with each other and we are able to bear the burdens of each other. This is why in the New Testament you see the churches pitching in for the relief of other churches. Antioch and Jerusalem in the, during a famine in Acts 11. Corinth in the collection for the poorer churches in 2 Corinthians 8-9. through 9. Philippi, when they were financially uh, supporting Paul in Philippians 4. Thessalonica supporting Paul during his time in Corinth. And this is why this church, Old Powhatan, has partnerships in places like Puerto Rico. Because we share in the work and we shoulder the burden as members of the same body and the same household of faith. So that's not just something... When we read about disasters hitting Puerto Rico... And the church there suffering, we don't just regard that as something that's happened over there. We see that that's something that's happened to us. And we see that that's something then that we are all called in to come and partner alongside of for the relief. We shoulder the burdens and partner with other believers, knowing that we are all part of the same true family. And then finally, with eyes of faith. Looking to the eternal, we see our true treasure. In verses 26 through 27, Moses considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible." So the writer of Hebrews tells us that Moses was like the man in Matthew 13. In Jesus' parable in Matthew 13, when he said, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered it up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. 
We get this picture of Moses as somebody who had all the luxuries and wealth of Egypt at his disposal and yet exchanged that for a greater treasure and a greater wealth, that which is eternal and found in Christ. Charles Spurgeon says, the money of this world is not currency in paradise. And when we reach its blissful shore, if regret were possible, we would wish we had laid up more treasure in the land of our fatherhood, in the dear fatherland beyond the skies. Transport your jewels to a safer country than this world. Be rich towards God rather than men. Moses endured the wrath of the king and the mistreatment along with his countrymen because in faith he saw past the temporary and into the joy of the eternal glories of Christ. He saw, at least in part, that eternal city that Abraham sought and hoped for. And even in hardship, he counted all of that of greater value than the riches of Egypt. So as sojourners and exiles here on this earth, we look by faith to the treasures of our homeland and are not caught up in the temptations of this temporary and terminal age. We're not ensnared by the comforts or the cares of this world when we have eyes of faith that can see the eternal. I was thinking about this and I can remember it seemed like, and this isn't like a hard, fast, direct segment, but I can remember that in the past, a couple generations ago, let's say, you hear preachers would preach against being tempted by this world, and and the, the warning was to not get caught up in the materialism. You guys remember hearing these sermons? Some of these sermons were about don't buy into the American dream, and don't just live for the McMansions and the and the beefy 401k. And I think that it's kind of a different call now, at least in our immediate context now. So obviously still don't get caught up in chasing material wealth that's temporary and fading. But if I would wager a guess, probably in the immediate here and now, at least in our country, our temptations might not be so much towards just yucking it up because life is so good and we're all so prosperous. Rather, that's kind of been replaced by fears and anxieties, right? So it's less retirement. It was was like 2000 or 2001. John Piper had this famous sermon where he was calling this young generation to forsake buying into the comforts of the life. And he read a an article where this family had like retired young and were spending their days collecting seashells on Florida beaches. And, and Piper's big point was that's a wasted life. Don't get caught up in the comforts and the luxuries of this age. And that's true. But I think what's on our minds and hearts now is less comfort and more cares. And the calling is still the same. As sojourners and exiles whose treasures are in an eternal inheritance, don't just get caught up in the luxuries of here, but don't get caught up in the fears either. Don't get sidetracked by the anxieties and the worries of economic downturn and pandemics and political upheavals and strifes. The calling is the same to having eyes of faith, seeing the eternal, not getting caught up in the temporary, whatever that might be. We can, treasuring Christ and his eternal kingdom, our homeland, is what then frees us up to radically pour out our lives for others. So just as we saw all those New Testament churches, who, by the way, were in many of them in, in contexts and situations of poverty themselves, But being able to, in faith, see the eternal and value those things, they were able to give so freely of themselves because they were not holding on to the temporary. And it's the same for us. We then have the same calling to pour out our lives and invest in things that are eternal because we know that what we have here is fading and we don't hold on to it so tightly. Because it is the kingdom of God that lasts, we find our true joy and our true treasure there, not here. And this is, this is the, so if you want to go to a verse 
to kind of just hold on to this. If, you, if you're getting caught up and you, you, we short-sighted into the temporary and the fears of life are creeping in and you're thinking about what about gas prices? What about wars in Ukraine and in Israel? What do we do? And instead of seeing the glories of Christ that are ours forever, we get short-sighted and see the fears and cares and anxieties of today. Read Romans 8, 31 through 32. Listen to this. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? As the people of God, we have been made citizens of the kingdom and made to be the children of the king by the work of Jesus. So we don't have to fear or hold on to anything of this world so closely. Because in the end, we get Jesus. And he is far, far better. Jim Elliott, 20th century missionary who was killed on the mission field by those he was trying to reach with the gospel, put it this way. He is no fool who gives up that which he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. It's the same calling for us today as people of faith with eyes in faith that can see the eternal. Let's not hold on to everything so tightly, knowing we can't keep it anyway. Rather, invest in the eternal kingdom that's coming, knowing that that's where our true joys and our true treasures lie. So, in conclusion, as the people of God, people of faith, we see and value things that are eternal, and in doing so, are able to live radical lives of gospel obedience. And this morning, I wanted to remind you of this. Just briefly, I wanted to, to exhort you and remind you of who we are, people of faith, called to see and value things that are eternal and not get caught up in the temporary things that are passing away. But I also want to commend you and thank you. Because... You have been a church that has countless times demonstrated to me these truths over the years. So all of the, all the stuff I just said, I learned up from the Bible. But here, I learned it here. I heard it preached here. And I saw it lived out here by you. So the call to live for the eternal joys of Christ our Lord is this great redwood tree of truth. And for me, it's one that has grown out of the soil of Old Palatine. You have taught it to me. And I thank you. And so let me, let me then end on one more word from the writer of Hebrews and incidentally, this is actually the last or the first passage that I ever preached here at this church. Hebrews 12, 1 through 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Amen. So church, thank you, and keep running. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your goodness to us. I thank you that you have graciously called us to yourself, and that you have graciously given us eyes to see that which is of supreme value and worth. Keep us, keep us running, protect us from sin, and help us to, above all else, treasure Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. I'm here in just a moment where we celebrate with Kenny and Callie, and uh, Carissa's going to go get the kids. They're going to come in here and be a part of everything as well. Um, I was supposed to make you cry. Um, he is faithful, and he is worthy to be worshipped because he is faithful. 
And he shows his faithfulness through faithful people so many times. And so as we sing this song, let's set our eyes and our hope and our faith in Jesus. Kenny and the words he just said at the end uh, weren't enough to make me cry. (laughs) Then he chose the last hymn, (laughs) um, which is uh, the hymn we sang at the end of my mom's funeral. And the picture I always have of that is the man that I admired the most, who taught me the most about what it is to be a pastor and to be a, a father and to be a believer and to be a person who's a sojourner. And that was my dad. I wheeled him out in the wheelchair and he sang at the top of his lungs, great is thy faithfulness. And uh, so thanks for that. Um, um, So I hope you have a bulletin. I hope you got one. If you didn't, uh, you're missing out Uh, on the back of that bullet. Come on in, kids. Come go find your parents. How about that? Go find your parents. Good luck. Um, Let's, let's make this a celebration. This, there's nothing formal about what we're going to do from this point on. This is all going to be a celebration. So find your parents. Sit on a lap. Good news is, if we have a kid left over at the end of this, we know what to do. So. <laughs> there... There are no parents upstairs, correct, of any kids. All right, good. Come on in. Find your parents. They're right there. Good. 
Well, that worked a lot better than I expected. John, John has bulletins. I'll take one, John. I'm, let me use it as a visual aid. He's ignoring me. Um, on the back, on the back of your bulletin, what you'll find. Thanks, thanks, John. Thanks, John. On the, on the back of the bulletin, what you'll see is, uh, as I mentioned earlier, basically Kenny and Callie's entire adulthood. And uh, every major event that happened in their adult life has happened in and through Old Powhatan Baptist Church. Uh, and so it's really awesome to see. So I remember I was telling, uh, so Kenny mentioned this and I had remembered it and then we were, I was talking to Callie about it. Uh, we used to have a young adult group that met at our house every week and Kenny would come to it, and, uh, and he met this girl, right? He met this girl, and he uh, brought her one night, and she was sitting there, and one of the other young ladies in the group had just gotten back from a mission trip to Thailand, and she was sharing about the trip, and what she said was, people die there every day. And Callie, who we didn't know, <laughs> says, people die everywhere every day. <laughs> And I was, I was leaned back, I was leaned back on the couch and I was like, she's good. She can come back anytime. Like she is approved, approved, total approval. I was like, she, the snarkiness was just, I was like, yes, we are in. So, um, I remember, you know, I remember as you guys met each other and were completely smitten and trying to figure out what was next. And I remember when you guys got engaged and we were able to celebrate together. I remember at 1 a.m. Um, in my office uh, during a youth lock-in that they were both volunteering at where we did our third session of premarital counseling. Never do premarital counseling at 1 a.m. It was fun. Uh, I don't think anything we talked about actually made it into the wedding ceremony but uh, we've always just, once they got married, they lived uh, in downtown Richmond, and they still uh, attended here and were a part of the church here, and they would drive out, and oftentimes they would come out to our young adult ministry, and that what is now Kessid's room at our house was Kenny and Callie's room. They, we still found, I think we were cleaning out some old stuff, and we found his, uh, um, your contact solution from... <laughs> 14 years ago, uh, right after they had just gotten married. And so, you know, so we just, we decided we would toss it and just, not, but you can look at everything there. Like Kenny's date of becoming a member of the church in 2004. Kenny, Kenny is to blame for me being here. Um, he was on the pastor search committee. He, uh, so, um, he, they needed a tattoo boy on the, so, so Pat can attest to this. That was his nickname on the, on the committee. And uh, so Kenny served on the search committee. In fact, it was he and one of the other members that were the ones who really went to bat for me. Um, and so I'm thankful for that most days. And um, <laughs> Callie came along in 2009 to be a member of the church. They were married here on the grounds of the church. It was a great day of celebration. Kenny served as faithfully as a deacon. Um, Corbin and Evan uh, were both born while, of course, they were here at the church. And then Kenny uh, was chosen by you as a congregation to serve as an elder um, and our first, uh, one of our first lay elders of, of the church. And uh, he came alongside of the ministry here and, and, and served so well during one of the most difficult times in our church that, uh, that you all came and said, what do we need to do to make sure he never rotates off the elder board? And I said, start paying him. Well, don't have to pay him much, <laughs> but, but pastoral staff will remain an elder and doesn't have to rotate off. And you all unanimously said, we're in because we want to make sure he's leading us. Um, and so he was affirmed in 2019 to that role. And, uh, and then Kenny had the opportunity to baptize both of his boys, uh, here at the church. And so just, this is a celebration, not just of Kenny and Callie and Corbin and Evan. This is a celebration of what God has done in the life of a family. And through that family, what God has done in our lives and in the life of this church. Um, and so I, I want to express gratitude. I want to express gratitude to the Lord for all that he's done. Kenny is the one that we didn't send away um, for a long time. And I think he always wondered why. Uh, and... Uh, 
but it was God's design uh, because Kenny was the flip side of the coin for me. Um, where I couldn't relate, Kenny could relate. Uh, Kenny was um, normal where I was abnormal. Um, <laughs> Kenny, Kenny, was, Kenny was able to lead by example in ways that I couldn't because I had been doing this for so long. Um, so for Kenny to buy into we're sojourners and exiles, and I'm willing to take a job to you know, turn wrenches for VDOT when I know God has called me to ministry and to be faithful wherever he was as a sojourner in exile was an example to all of you. An example I couldn't, I couldn't show you. I couldn't do it because you had hired me to be a full-time pastor here. And so he's been an example to you of what it looks like to be a sojourner in exile. And so I'm super thankful for that. I, I praise the Lord for that. Uh, we also have a few things we want to do to celebrate you today. So um, you need a new Bible for preaching. And so I'm giving you the same one I have. Because uh, you need a hard, for preaching the best, anybody going into ministry at some point, if you want to preach, get a hardback Bible that lays flat. You don't fight it the whole time. And so um, I do not write in Bibles because I was not an author. Um, so I, I didn't write anything in this. I try not to write a whole lot in it. This is for the Lord to work through you and in you. So I just want to give that to you. But there's another charge is not just to be faithful to the word, but to be faithful to your family. And this is a family worship a Bible guide. I know how you want to lead your family well. So um, I know that, that we have gifts for Callie and the boys as well that, um, that Joannie is going to make sure you get. Correct, Joannie? She's in the back. What's that? So I think you already have them. So... And uh, just because it's not about going and just leading a church, part of the charge of being an elder is also the way you manage your home. And I want to say something to the boys, if I can. Okay. Uh, <laughs> here we go. Um, both of you, I've gotten to watch you literally from the day you were born grow. Uh, it is kind of scary, right? It's kind of scary to think about, right? But here's the thing. You both have brought so much joy to my family um, by watching you guys grow up. And I know how much my girls love you. And I hope you know that as well. Like they, they've been babysitters. They've been photographers. They've been friends. They've been the ones to make sure you got enough eggs at the Easter egg hunt. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so they've been, they've, been, they've been ones who have, will always be by your side, and you need to know that, okay? So I, I hope I will continue to always be Uncle Pastor Brad, okay? And you'll be able to call on me whenever you need. And Callie, thank you. Thank you for giving him to us and letting us borrow him when we needed to. Um, I know Joanny can speak to the fact that it's not easy, and when, you, when he has to go to work all day, and then he also just wants to be so committed here, thank you. It is, it is not an easy task to be a pastor's wife, and a bivocational pastor's wife is even more difficult. So um, thank you for supporting him. Thank you for believing in him. Um, I know he would say the same things to you, and we got to watch that happen. So um, thank you for that. We have a special guest with us uh, today. Um, and Stephen, will you come on up? So uh, one of the elders from uh, West End Baptist, this is the place where it said these are the people to blame. Um <laughs> not me. And uh, I just want him to have an opportunity to share with you. I think we have a microphone for you right there. Let's make sure it's on. Uh, we'll turn it on for you. And uh, wonder, this is mic two. Okay. Um, you should be on there. And so I just wanted him to come and share a little bit. Um, you heard an exhortation from Kenny to us. I agree with everything he said about who we have become as a church and what God is continuing to do. Just share a few words because I know you've witnessed some things as well. So I will try to just say a few words. I was writing up some thoughts this morning, and my wife looked over my shoulder, and you're just, uh, oh, it was only a few words. You're on the front okay. <laughs> I know that food's getting cold, and I, but I do want to uh, come from West End Baptist Church and express our thanks to you all. I'm an elder over at West End. Uh, my wife and I are here today to just thank you uh, for your partnership and for the work that you have done uh, here and in the lives of the Van Horns and their family. Um, some of our folks only know of you through grad. Um, so thank
take that for what it's worth. <laughs>
I'm going to ask Kenny and Callie and the boys to come on forward. We're going to hold on to this. I'm going to let you hold on that because we're going to pray here in just a second. I'm going to ask John and Pam to come up and ask Joanne to come and join us as well. So why don't you guys just come up and you can just stand right here if you want to. Um, And here's what we're going to do. Before we pray, so that we're all sniffly and we're all, um, yeah, we're going to, uh, actually we'll pray first because I don't think we'll make it through the prayer time. I'm going to ask us as a congregation to do what we do best, and that is send people. And I'm going to ask you to send them in prayer. So would you stand? And if you feel like you just want to come and stand next to Callie and put your arm around her, ladies, come do that. Um, Kids, if you want to come and stand around Corbin and Evan, come and do that. So let them know that you love them. Um, Any of our men who want to come and let Kenny know that you're with him, that you're praying for him, just come on up and gather around. We'll open it up. Come on up and gather around him. And if anybody who happens to be up in the balcony wants to take a picture of us sending Kenny off by prayer, we would love that, Deanna. Um, and I'm going to ask, um, I'm going to ask all of us, gentlemen, go ahead, lay a hand on his shoulder. Just don't press. And um, I'm going to let John and myself and Stephen. We're going to pray. And uh, John, will you open us and will you then pray? And then I'll close this in prayer as we pray for Kenny and Callie and the boys. Father, we thank you so much for Kenny and his witness, for Callie and her witness, and for the boys, the joy that they bring. Um, Lord, we just pray for immense blessings. You've already blessed them, but continue to bless them as they faithfully serve you and faithfully serve our brothers and sisters in Christ at West End Baptist Church. That uh, We're sending him because that's what you've asked us to do, Lord that you would grow us, that we could go and make disciples. So I thank you for his faithfulness in following your calling in his life. I thank you for the faithfulness of the church where he's going. Uh, Let him bless, let him encourage, and let him be bold in sharing the gospel truth. Um, We send him out with hope, with love, with praise, and all for your glory, Lord. Lord God, we thank you for Old Pal Team. We just thank you for the work that you're doing here. And we thank you that Kenny and Callie and Boyce have been able to be a part of the work uh, here for the time that you've had them here. We thank you for the desire of this church to send and to grow and to send more. And we do thank you that you are going to do a work through the ministry of this church. We thank you for the work that you've already done in and through this church. We pray for Kenny and for Callie. We just pray that you would help them to continue to grow in love for you, for each other, and for your people. Father, I pray that you would now embolden us as your people at Old Powhatan Baptist Church to say, who's next? Who else will you send? And embolden someone in our congregation, whether they're five years old right now or 55 or 85, to say, here am I, send me. Or maybe never stop doing what you have called us to do, and that is... From the beginning, be fruitful and multiply and inhabit the earth. And then Jesus said it, that we're to go and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And Lord, we thank you for the promise that you are with us. And so we know, we pray in faith, and we, we believe that you will go with Kenny and Callie and Corbin and Evan. In them, By your spirit, you will bind them to yourself. Through them, you will unite a church to the mission that you called them to. And then 
the people that they'll meet and the people that they'll impact Lord, are going to be innumerable. I can't wait. I can't wait till the day when we know <laughs> the impact of what it is to have sent out Kenny and Callie and Corbin and Evan. Lord, thank you for that city that's coming. And in that city will be people that are impacted by their ministry. What a beautiful picture we get to be a part of. So we send not knowing what it looks like, but knowing that it's true with hope. So Lord, keep him close to you and keep him clean and pure in motivation, in his heart, in his ministry, in the words that come out of his mouth, in how he serves. May you be glorified. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Hey, we love them, right? Amen. Amen. All right, everybody, head back to your seat. You can sit down because we do need to make them cry now. Okay. So before we eat, I'm going to give instructions on eating. Um, Well, getting through the line. Some of you don't need instructions on eating. Um, We're going to be heading out this door as much as possible. You can go out this door and around, but we're going to go out this side door All of the food is right there. There's also big cards, if you didn't see them as you came in, thank you cards that you can sign. There's also a basket there if you brought a card or a gift card, you want to drop that off as you're getting ready to go through the food line. But all the food is on this side, and so we're going to go, everybody out this door. Got it? And that's where the line is going to be. But before we do that, we wanted you to watch um, this short video here in just a second. But reminder, youth group is tonight. I've had a couple of people ask about that. We do have youth group tonight at 530 We do have small groups in homes tonight at 530, and and so all we're doing is eating. Then you get to go home and still take your nap and watch the commanders lose. And um, Oh, that's right. They already did that on Thursday. That's right. My bad. All right. So anyway, um, we love you. I hope you know that. We love you, and we're going to celebrate together. So check out your bulletin. See all the things that are coming up because the ministry just keeps pushing forward. Okay, let's watch this.
as we get ready to go, um, I I cannot let us leave without praying for uh, praying for the people of Israel right now. I think we would uh, it would be irresponsible for us to do that. So um, and here's the thing: I think Kenny pointed us to a truth here that we need to remember. What we're praying for in praying for the peace of Israel is we're also praying for this reality. Um, as everything began to explode, literally, um, I got an email and a couple of text messages from some friends who served there, some brothers and sisters in Christ who lived there. When we pray for peace, we're praying for justice and peace to happen on this earth for God's kingdom to come, right? That's what we're praying for. We're praying for thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven where the peace of heaven becomes the peace of earth. We do that in a general sense. We do that when we see things like this happen. But here's, here's, what, here's what I want us to remember. There are, there's a family that is ours that is on both sides of that war. There are Palestinian believers and there are Israeli believers. They are our chief concern because they are the true Israel. That's what scripture tells us really plainly. Jesus himself said it. You say you're of your father Abraham, but you don't obey me. So you are not of your father Abraham. This is not a nation versus nation issue for us because there are wars and rumors of wars everywhere. So don't make it a nation versus nation thing before you make it a, we have brothers and sisters who are in the middle of this that are scared, that are looking for a kingdom that's coming that need a city with foundations and want it now, that, are, that, have, that have evil men breaking into their homes and taking them hostage. But here's the thing. Many of those believers were being persecuted already by the nation, by the people that were their neighbors who were supposed to be their countrymen. They were already being persecuted because they hold to the name of Jesus. So today my prayer is that they would hold to the name of Jesus and that they would see that city from afar. And for those who go and see that city today because of the violence that's happening, that their faith would become sight. Would you pray that way with me as we go? Father, we long for the day when faith becomes sight, but we don't want to do it through warfare. We, want, we don't want to do it through pain and suffering we want to we want to see peace come so we ask for peace now for resolution for justice to happen right now in this one corner of the world where we have brothers and sisters who are suffering right now and who are afraid or are hiding in their basements who are in bomb shelters who are trying to figure out how to get food who are trying to figure out what happens next who aren't sure is that a real policeman or is that is that an intruder and if it is a real policeman was that the same policeman that was giving me a hard time last week for being a believer? <laughs> Lord, I pray right now for peace. And the only peace that actually will last is the peace that comes from knowing Jesus Christ. So, Lord, make the gospel rule and reign in a place of warfare right now. So that the peace of the baby born in that region in a little town of Bethlehem that was proclaimed by angels that said, peace on earth, goodwill toward men, that that would come true today. Right where that was declared. And it would come through the name of Jesus. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand together. Kenny, come up here. You get to help us do this. Mic number three. You know how to do it, and you get your last chance to do it. So, All right. Let's stand and read together. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Amen. We love you, church.